So, what up? What's going on, man? Well, just getting ready for uh, some huge events and talking about history of Hope is Alive. There's a lot going on right now in our world. I'm there. thankful to share a little bit about it today with you and reminisce, yeah. talk about a really special year in the life of our ministry. But beforehand, getting ready for two huge events. Yes. So, Celebration of Hope being one. Yep. Tuesday, August 8th, but it's sold out. Sold out. Yep. And can't say that we didn't... Uh, didn't talk about it. <laughs> no, we we did. It gave ample opportunity, but we're excited that it's sold out. But really, uh, that's a fun celebration event uh, for those that have supported us and been a part of it. Uh, but man, I, my heart is in Night of Hope on August 11th, and I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. We've been working on all the details. Uh, by the time this has come out, we probably already made the announcement of who the, uh, the, the new um, additional guest is. Yeah, person is the going new, to be <laughs> the new addition to the lineup. To the lineup, that's yeah. a better way to put it. But um, just some more energy and excitement around that event. And um, so, man, get the word out. Tell your friends, those that are watching live, nighthopeokc.com. Yes. If you haven't gone and saved um, saved your seat, or if you are a part of a church or a youth ministry, mm. uh, man, we'd love for you to to get involved. You can get in touch with us. You can hit us on the DMs right now, or talk to somebody. I'm in Oklahoma City or Tulsa. We'll save a row for you. Yep. We'll save a, a couple rows for your youth group. Uh, we just want people to come and experience this and to be a part of uh, kind of having the invitation to take a step towards freedom. Everybody needs hope right now, yes. Sean. Yes, they do. And, you know, the theme of this Night of Hope is higher power. That's right. You know, and I think that can mean a lot of things. What does it mean to you out there? Throw it up in the comments, whatever you're thinking yeah. right now. Um, but you know, night of hope for those of you who don't know, I just want to say it's a free concert experience. Yes. You know, you're going to get to hear Tim Tebow talk. Yes. You're going to get to hear Lance and Allie talk. Absolutely. Some a wonderful sobriety countdown, but it's just a wonderful night to come out and just worship. Yeah. No and, doubt about it. And just be yourself. Just yes. have fun. There's probably not a more free, uh, freer, if that's a word, uh, come as you are, um, feel comfortable in your own skin type experience all year round Yeah. other than Night of Hope. You're going to feel completely free to be who you are, worship as you are, um, move around as you want yes. to. I promise you, you need to come and experience it. If anything else, just to watch the Hope is Alive residents um, as they worship, it will. it's a contagious feeling. It will move you. It'll spark you. It'll be a catalyst for your faith. Yes. And again, we believe people will experience God, and, and they'll be given an opportunity to take a step towards freedom on August 11th. Yes, and if for those of you who are in the Hope is Alive program, or maybe you're a family member of somebody and they're new to the program— this is a big night, and I can say for myself, Night of Hope is when I realized that Hope is Alive was something so much bigger than myself. But nightofhopeokc.com, please go register. We'll talk about that more later. But today we're here to talk about um, year four. Yeah. Okay, so we talked with Allie earlier um, about year three. That was a huge year. Year four, looking at the notes, though, there was a lot of seeds planted, it looks like. Absolutely. For stuff that um, is still happening to this day, one of them being Night of Hope. Yeah, no, absolutely. As, as you were sharing about Night of Hope, it took me back to one of the, the most special Night of Hope experiences that I can remember was in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Yes. And we began to have some conversations with Pastor Earl Stevenson in Weatherford about what it would look like to host a Night of Hope. We had already done one in a more rural setting in Marlowe. 
Um, and so we knew we wanted to try to take this experience to other communities. Mm-hmm. And he was all in, and we were able to to lock in Daryl Strawberry, yeah, uh, to come out. So for you know a smaller town and a smaller community, it's a big name, and it was a big night. But I still really didn't know what to expect. I can remember going into that church and kind of talking to them and almost begging and pleading, hey, could you talk to other churches? Could we try to get this on the radio? We're not really sure how this is going to go. We want people to come. And so we make our way out there. We set everything up. We've got the hope letters that we had made at the backyard of, of HQ. You know, we had just opened the first um, woman's home or we were in that process. So they were joining us uh, for the first time. Mm. And I never forget in the green room with Daryl Strawberry, we were talking, we were praying. And I was like, okay, let's go out and see what the crowd looks like. And I poked my head inside the doors of the sanctuary. And Sean, I kid you not, standing room only, every seat was taken. It was a packed house. In Weatherford. In Weatherford. And I think that room holds like 750 plus. I wow. promise you, every every seat was full. The energy was electric. Uh, we had a phenomenal night. And I think a lot of people were set free. And it, it kind of laid the groundwork for what would, what would come in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Yeah. And this is... Three years before we had a home there? Absolutely. 2016. So that just goes to show you, those of you who are listening, you know, a lot of these homes that are opened up for Hope is Alive and whatever cities, markets, um, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes years before we ever get to plant a home there. Yeah, I think think the, the, the community got a taste of what we do, who we are, and put us on the map a little bit. So when we came back to have conversations with people... Uh, the door was already cracked open a little yeah. bit. The Hope is Alive so, name was known. That's exactly right. Love that. Love that. Another thing that happened this year that I wanted to talk about was it looks like the first Inspiring Lunch. Yeah. And the Inspiring Lunch today, for those of you who don't, who don't know, is a – I mean, it could be – you could argue it's one of our our biggest fundraiser. That's right. Um, as far as, you know, the number of them that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of us who work on the events team, it's it's – basically a tour it is because we do about seven to eight of them from here to Tulsa to Kansas city, all the way out to North Carolina. Um, but how is the idea for inspiring lunch birth? Well, I mean, everybody that I was seeing in, in our community here in Oklahoma city was, was hosting these nonprofit lunches. Yeah. And so, you know, naturally thought we could do it and maybe we could do it even better. Yeah. Uh, And so (laughs) uh, how could we do that? And so uh, initially just rolled out, hey, we're going to do this banquet, and we're going to trial it. And we had had some connections um, to Mr. Largent and his family, and so we were able to – I never forget this. I, I asked him to speak, and he said, before I commit to speaking, I want to come meet with you. I want to see your program. I want to see what it's about so I can actually um, talk about it. So he came over one day to Oklahoma City and, and toured HQ, and we went and had lunch and had a great conversation, and he agreed to speak, and subsequently – spoke several times for us after that this is steve largent steve largent correct and so the first one we really we went in a name you know somebody that people would want to come and listen to we hosted it right across the street from where we are today at quail springs baptist church which was our first church partner and they were so generous and kind to let us host this lunch for several years in their fellowship hall and the point of this is not to bore you with all the logistics of it was really that you know this was a way for people to come and experience hope is alive in the normal kind of rhythms and flows of their life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lunches like this, and it would allow us to expand our footprint. Yeah, and I think it really worked. You know, not only have been we've been able to raise some good money over the years through this, but we've been able to introduce people to what our program is all about. And I think this is when we really got traction on 
what made our events special? Yes. What made our events different? Yeah. Why was there this walk away factor that my goodness, my life was just really impacted by mm-hmm. what happened? And that all starts and ends with having a resident mm-hmm. sitting at your table telling you their story. Yeah, because you can hear about this stuff all you want, right? You can see the pictures on Facebook, the before and afters, and I'm not saying none of that's powerful. But when you have it, the product right in front of you, essentially, yeah. you know, and you're hearing firsthand, not that's only, right. you know, because a lot of these residents, you know, they're in the middle of it all. That's right. And that's even more exciting. Well, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Yeah. You know, your story is your secret weapon. We talk about yes. that all the time. It's your testimony. You know, it's the... The, 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 it's one of the weapons that God gives us is, is our testimony. Yeah. It's what's it's what's happened in our life. And so when you're in a uh, you're breaking bread together and you're sitting at a table of eight people, and you're honed in on what that resident's telling you, and they're talking about the trauma of their past, the shame that they lived with, uh, the decisions that they made, uh, the pain that they've walked through, and then they're sh- sharing about the miracles that have happened in their life and getting their children back or getting a car or finding a profession or or finding faith for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time ever. It's captivating, and I think it really opened the door to educating people about addiction, yeah. certainly educating them about what we do and how we do it. And from that, man, I can't tell you how many uh, donor relationships, church partnerships have opened up, how many parents found healing and hope. I think about um, I can speak to it because he's been public about it, but our, our program director, I mean, Grant Green, and I remember his father coming to the inspiring lunch yeah. and sitting at a table and listening to an, a young man share his story. And that young man's story was almost identical to his son's story. Yeah. And he found hope in that story and it connected him to hope is alive and the rest is history. And so that first lunch was really critical and pivotal. Yes, we've been able to raise good funds from it that have supported the ministry. But more than anything, I think it's shined a light on the work that we do, taking the stigma of addiction away, helping people to understand what it really is, who it really impacts, and how what God has breathed through our program has helped to radically change people's lives. Yeah, and I just want to, you know, add on to that and say, and I and I know I bring this up a lot, but these events, aside from, you know, the community getting to come out and learn more about Hope is Alive and, you know, hear these incredible stories. You have to remember, for those of you listening, that these are, for a lot of our residents, this is their first, you know, realization into what Hope is Alive is. That's know, right. Their first, you know, exposure. And I remember being out in North Carolina a couple of years ago and there was a young man at a table and he had this kind of 80s looking haircut, looked like he should play in Motley Crue. He was a fresh resident telling his story. And after that lunch, he was a completely different guy that I had met, you know, than I had met the earlier in the week. And today he's overseeing our men in Weatherford, Mr. Ethan. Yes. You know, that's so right. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fruit that's bared for our residents. Yeah. They themselves. get to tell their story. So they walk <laughs> out stronger, you know, they build that foundation. There's nothing more, um, kind of fulfilling than knowing that the stuff that you've gone through in your life, God wants to use it for good. Yeah. And he wants to inspire other people. And it normalizes folks like us, mm-hmm. me and you, when we get to sit down with normal people um, who have kind of lived normal lives when we haven't. Yeah. And we realize that, man, God's given us a tool. He's mm-hmm. given us a weapon that can change anybody's heart. Can It can prick the toughest skin, if you will, yeah. and help them to understand you know, God's still in the miracle working business. And, and I'll never forget that very first lunch. I just felt compelled to ask every resident to stand up. 
and and really said, hey, these residents are worth it. Yes. And I'll never forget, it was one of the first moments where I felt convicted to stand up and really fight for our people. Mm-hmm. And I think that passion, that enthusiasm, the real-life touch of like, hey, I'm supporting this person. Hey, lean in so they can see you. I'm supporting this person um, at my table, and the finances that I give, the prayers that I give, the volunteer support is actually going to change this person's life. Um, man, that, that changes the game. Yeah, You're not giving to some big ethereal thought or, you know, some idea or vision you're given to the person to change the person's life at sitting with you. Absolutely. Love that so much, bro. And, you know, one more thing I was just thinking about, you know, we're talking about the first year of these inspiring lunches. They've been going on for quite a while now. And the bigger we get, you know, um, the more roles change as far as the event itself goes. But one thing I've noticed, one tradition that stays the same for yourself and Allie is before every lunch, getting everybody, every resident in the room rounded up for just to kind of talk about the day, but also just to stand in prayer. But what is that like for you as a founder? You know, I was, you approached 10 years just standing there and just looking at this in city after city after city and everybody who's there. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen me do it a few times yeah. and it is, it is somewhat the same thing, but it's really powerful. Um, I mean, it's obviously all that feels good, but um, to me, I, I kind of leave all that alone and, and to step into the moment and say, hey, we're here to do a job today. Yeah. And the job that we do is being obedient to what God's put on our, our plate and trying to say yes to that. Yeah. And really just inspiring our people and myself to know that what I say and what I do and how I treat people and how I greet people and the energy that I have and the passion that I that I carry with me and the vision that I cast will go to help changing next year's residents. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's paving the way for the next group to come through. And I think part of the 12 steps, part of any good recovery program or plan is giving back. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times on those days, although maybe we're doing our job, we're really giving back. Yeah. And, and we're paving the way for future people. And, you know, as the founder, obviously that stuff's really, you know, feels good. And, and it's um, you walk away feeling like you're you're a part of something bigger than you are. Uh, but it's also just the purpose God's put on my heart and yeah. try to run after it with everything I got. Every single day. Yeah, definitely planting a legacy. Um, the residents themselves are doing that as well. Yeah. Like we always talk about, you know, um, because you're going to, there's going to be a lot of people who need that down the road. Another thing that happened this year um, that I wanted to talk about was Hope is Alive and Life Church partnering up. Yeah. Now, I know we've touched on this a little bit in the past um, as far as, you know, going to the services every Saturday, yeah. sitting in the front row. But this year, it's like, you know, we're partnered up now. That's right. Officially. Yeah. Yeah. I think all that stuff sitting in the front row and all those kind of things came later. I mean, early on, uh, you know, we, we recognize here we're in Oklahoma city. It's the largest church in the country. It's based here in Oklahoma city. Yeah. A lot of our residents feel comfortable and supported going to, to life church. And so I, I was trying a lot of different ways to figure out how we could establish that partnership. I think on their end as well, they were trying to figure out what local mission partnerships look like. And uh, just shout out to, to Brian Word at, at, at Life Church more at the time. He um, he wasn't supposed to take the meeting, but another pastor canceled, and he showed up and met Allie and I. I want to say at like a Cool Greens or something in yeah. Norman, and we just kind of casted the vision for who we are and what we do. And it started with that more campus, and we signed on to be a local mission partner kind of really early on in the stages of, of how they do missions. And what it really did for for Hope is Alive is they pushed us to understand um, and to lay out what it means to be a volunteer mm. and what's what's the intentional nature of volunteer development 
um, volunteer vetting, volunteer roles. Mm-hmm. And then they really challenged us to to track volunteers on a monthly basis. Yeah. And that became a large part of our partnership. And I have to say, like, because of all of those relationships came all the different volunteer roles that we have in Hope is Alive today, what Sunday night speakers look like, what Sunday night meal providers mean, what a transportation a volunteer looks like, what Bible study looks like on Monday nights, how event roles are fleshed out. And today, I mean, we, we have 500 volunteers a month at least on average, sometimes wow. a whole lot more than that if we have events going on that are engaged with the ministry. And it all started here. Yeah. And I remember those early days, we would literally have to kind of sit down and figure out what does it mean? To volunteer when right. Hope is Alive. Like, what is that even about? Would people come over to the house? Would they <laughs> sit down with our people? I mean, and so it was really, um, in addition to the credibility that it gave, in, in addition to the finances that certainly served to push Hope is Alive forward, I would say the biggest takeaway early on was it forced us to figure out what it meant to volunteer with Hope is Alive and to, to flesh out those roles and then to begin to fill them. And very quickly, we could see the fruits yeah. of that as well. And then today, I mean, I, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to, it seems like Hope is Alive is at times synonymous with Life Church. I know for myself, you know, I'll be out to eat sometimes and, you know, flashing my H, my HIA gear. Yeah. And a lot of the times someone will say like, oh, you're with Hope is Alive. And, you know, do you know so-and-so at Life Church? Yeah. And I don't always, but yeah. I just love that there's that connection there. Yeah, I mean, s- similar value sets, obviously, yeah. a lot of mentoring from their leadership to our leadership, um, a similar model of expansion across the country with the central headquarters here in Oklahoma City. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of similarities. They've been so generous to talk about us from the stage in different sermons. Craig doing Night of Hope, Pastor Craig doing Night of Hope in 2019. There's a lot of things that 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 kind of coalesce or, or, or correspond with yeah. each other. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think it's, we're both on a mission to uh, disrupt the spaces that we we started in and to do things in creative ways, um, to, to use their language, anything short of sin, to help people find and, and be a follower of Christ. And, and say, say the same thing for us, anything short of sin, to help addicts find freedom yeah. and radical life change and those that love them, obviously. And so kind of similar models and mindsets, even marketing, if you will. And so just the hearts were aligned, but... Um, the partnership's been phenomenal, and mm-hmm. so we're so thankful for it in so many ways, and um, and we're continuing to expand as they expand and, and believe the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, absolutely. And one more thing to touch on for this year in the Hope is Alive history. Um, the last episode, and for those of you who are watching live, yes, we know, it was 20 minutes ago, but we talked with Allie about opening the first Hope is Alive women's home. And this year, the second one opens up. That's right. I know I've asked this question before, but I can't help it. You know, what is that? You know, is there, a, do you feel nervous at all whenever it's like, oh my gosh, this is working? You know, because another a year later, the second home's already open. No, I didn't feel nervous. I felt excited. Okay. Um, energetic. You know, that, that second women's home in Oklahoma City was the game changing. It was the tipping point moment in yeah. the life of our ministry. And the reason why is because it was the first home that was ever purchased. Somebody gave a very sizable donation, um, a family give a sizable donation for us to purchase that home. And that changed everything about the way that we did business, um, the vision that we casted, what we believed could happen, Mm -hmm. um, how we could staff that home, the quality of the home that we purchased, and and specifically that home in um, Ski Island here in Oklahoma City became the show home where we hosted events, where everyone toured, where we... Uh, eventually did nights in November every year and still do. Still do, yeah. Or we can 
you know, set 70 plus people in round tables and feed them dinner and, and cast vision for our future. So that home opening in 2016 was a game changing home for us in yeah. so many ways. And I think it really was confirming to me as a leader, Hey, this is a vision people will get behind. And I'll never forget like the size of that check that that family wrote blew my ever loving <laughs> mind. I mean, I had no idea that was even possible. No idea. Yeah. But it gave me that seed of hope that, hey, if they can do it, maybe somebody else could as well. And so it was really around that time that I began to cast the vision for 20 homes by the end of 2020. 20 by 20. So there we are at six homes in 2016. So 20 homes by the end of 2020 was quite a vision to begin to verbalize. Yeah. Um, but that was you know the only home that Hope is Alive owned. We were renting all the rest of them. Uh, but we would begin to chase after that vision and I would begin to confidently try to cast that vision, even as scary as it was, because I knew that you know if one person did it, God told me that other people would as well. And that home was a game changer. It became uh, such a cool home. We found it. I got to do some remodeling on it, furnished it in an unbelievable way. And it has served, I would say, hundreds of women and become the hub for our women's program. Yeah. Um, not only in Oklahoma City, but really across the country. Dub two is what we call it. Like it's Dub two. It's a pretty unbelievable home. And I know a lot of people that are listening or are watching or are watching here in Oklahoma at least have probably seen that home if they're supporters of ours. If you haven't, let us know. We'd love to show it to you yeah. and show you what it looks like to live in a Hope is Live home and show you the beauty of it, the safety of it, the serenity of it. Um, it's amazing. And we'll definitely be back there in November. That's right. As we are. One thing I'll say on that as well, I think it opened up my mind to the quality of homes that yes. we could begin to purchase. And I'll never forget walking in with a mom and she thought, or she said, oh my gosh, I really, I feel comfortable leaving my daughter mm -hmm. here. I feel safe leaving my daughter yeah. here. And it was such a high-quality home that I think, as with everything that we've done, it, it just raised the bar. Mm -hmm. From now, here on out, the bar is up here. It's a, it's a beautiful home setting on a lake uh, you know, yeah. with a, that holds 15 <laughs> people with a banquet room. And the, now the bar is elevated. So now we need a home like this in every market we're in to host the nights in November. That's big enough that has some kind of great room where we can host meetings and host events and, and every level – the culture got higher, the bar got higher, the values grew deeper. Yeah, so that's an interesting point you just brought up, you know, the bar being raised for the level of how nice the home is because – and I will say, you know, for those first few homes that I, I have seen all of them, they're not by any means bad homes. No. And for a lot of us, uh, we'll take it 100% where we're coming from. Yeah. But you are correct. You know, I, I know for myself and a lot of other people I know that have gone through the program, you know, you show up for that, you know, for the tour of the home or for that intake and you look around at a lot of our homes and you're like, Wow. Well, that was the point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my, oh my. Let's give the best of this, yes. the best of these um, to our residents, show them what it could be like for them one day to live in a home like this, help their parents feel safe and comfortable. Yeah. But I would say, you know, those early homes were okay, but man, from this point forward, this time frame, 2016, we were on a mission to find super cool homes Yeah. and God was blessing us with it. Um, donors were coming alongside to make this vision possible and and next time we'll, we'll tell you what happened in 2017 in, in year five. Year five, yes. Well, thank you so much, Lance. Always love getting to talk to you, brother. Thank you, man. Um, for those of you out there listening, again, nightofhopeokc.com. Right. I'm going to keep on saying it, especially for those of you that are watching live. Go, go, go. Reserve Just your seat. seat. And we will see you again next time. This is the Hope Dealers Podcast.